Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Dude, you know what you need? A painting. That was not specified. Uh, (laughs) But you can get whatever kind of painting you want to get. I am disappointed. Sorry. Today we'll be discussing Haven by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Claudia Cates' camping trip with her brother turns horrific leaving her running for her life and relying on the kindness of a stranger. Shep Olson happens to be in the right place at the right time and saves Claudia from a terrible fate. Months later, they reunite to find closure. Now that the dust has settled, the city girl and the mountain man must figure out if what they feel is not just lust, but actually love. There will be spoilers beyond this point. And we have a content warning for graphic violence off the page and healing from related trauma and BDSM. So how is Shep's life going? Because I believe that is the character that we start off with. Yes, we start off in Shep's head. Shep is the stereotypical introverted. He's not really grumpy, but he kind of comes off grumpy, I think. Mountain man. (laughs) Mildly grumpy. I don't know. He felt really easygoing to me. Grumpish. Yeah, grumpish. (laughs) He lives on top of a mountain in Northern California in... That's like just outside of a town called Quentin, which I looked, tried to Google it. I don't think it's a real town or if it is, it's not on Google, not on my Google. (laughs) It's a very, very tiny town. Yeah. And at the beginning of the story, he's just returned home from LA. Every year he takes a trip to a BDSM club in LA and spends a week I guess he has like a regular submissive that he likes to go see at this club. And they they don't have like a relationship, but they have like a thing. Yeah, they have an understanding. Oh, there you go. That's that's more articulate. They have an understanding. <laughs> I thought you said you were tired, Em. I am tired. <laughs> I won't go into details, but I sat down for a few minutes to ice some things and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, no, I'm tired. Shep has returned home from his annual BDSM extravaganza. He's texting with his friends from the club and it's kind of sexy texting and he's ready to jerk one out as one does when he's interrupted by screaming from outside. Since he lives in the middle of effing nowhere, he (laughs) grabs his shotgun (laughs) and goes to investigate this screaming. And when he opens his front door, A woman falls into his house. She's covered in blood and she's begging him for help. They're after me. They're chasing me. So Shep lets her inside and then goes and stands on his porch and he sees a man approaching and he tells him to stop. And the man says something like really nasty, like, oh, well, we could share her or something like that, which is just, ew. Yeah. He definitely leaned into the creepy. Yeah. And then Shep shoots him dead. Yeah. And then he gets a phone call from his neighbor who lives like a 10 minute walk away or something like that. But they heard the gunshot and was like, should we come out there and help you out? Or (laughs) so Shep has them call the cops and he's going to take the woman to the hospital. He loads her into his truck. He's trying to keep her awake and focused, I think, because he starts asking her questions and things like that. She tells him her name is Claudia and that they killed her brother And he focuses on the word they and also the fact that she had her brother with her. And they must have done that far away, too, because he didn't hear anything. No. 
So she must have been running for a long while. Yeah, I think so. Because later they talk about like the place where it happened. And yeah, it was a bit of a hike to get there, I think. Yeah, out there, I mean, there'd be no sound, no traffic or anything to hide any kind of sound. It would carry. Although trees and mountains, but still. Still, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is It is hard to, to think that he wouldn't hear her until she was so close to him. I mean, he was a little distracted, but still. But maybe, maybe she didn't start screaming, help, help, or whatever, until she saw, like, a house. Yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to picture... Like the camping situation, like, I can't remember, like, were they asleep and attacked? Because that might make a difference as far as the amount of sound they could make. I think they were hiking to a spot that her brother wanted to show her. So that implies So I think they daylight? were hiking. Maybe? I don't know. But, I mean, she didn't have shoes on, but... But again, she would have That had doesn't necessarily mean anything. You said in the intro, like... She has a lot of trauma that she has to deal with, but yeah. I don't think there are any flashbacks of what happened. No, we don't get a clear picture of what exactly happened to her, but she does have a scar, like a cut on her hairline, mm. and she is covered in like her own blood. So I kind of got the impression that they were torturing them. Mm. That makes sense. But... That could have just been my brain being gross. Headwinds bleed a lot. So depending on, yeah. And we know the brother told her to run and she did. And she was pretty sure he was dead, but she didn't know for sure. So I don't know that they had, I don't know that they were using guns or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, the gun, it would be heard, I would think. I mean, unless they were really far out there and she was running for a significant amount of time. Well, unfortunately, there's all these questions and there's really no answers. We don't really get a whole lot about what happened. Yeah. And there's really no reappearance of these bad guys later. The one gets shot dead and the other one gets captured by the police. So I must admit, I was expecting either the captured one to get away or there to be a third one or something. Yeah, I was disappointed that that was it. As far as the murderers. I know. I feel evil for saying Because it's that, such, though. it was so yeah. impactful at the beginning. Yeah, it really was. I was like, oh. And then it seemed like, oh, well, it's just a reason for them to get together. It all depends on the story you're wanting to experience. But usually a romance or something like that that has a crime beginning, murder and, and stuff. I'm sort of expecting more crime throughout the story. <laughs> I thought at the very least they'd come back in the end and that would be the reason that they separate. Typically in romance, mm, there's yes. a separation and then reunite. But that's not the reason they separate either. Yeah. Yeah. The The story really is about, okay, she experienced this terrible trauma. And then the rest of the story is her dealing with the trauma. Yeah. And how she copes with it and BDSM factors into that. Yeah. But that's what the story is. Yeah. Shep finds out her name is Claudia. He takes her to the hospital. He radios into the sheriff's office about, oh, there might be another victim. Oh, there might be more attackers, etc. Based on what Claudia told him. He goes and gets questioned by the sheriff. They take photos of him. They take his clothes. He gives them an alibi for his whereabouts because he had just gotten home from his yearly sojourn. 
And they tell him that he has to stay at his neighbor's house while they clear his house because it's a crime scene. And so he drives up to his house, gets his dog and some stuff, and then goes over to his neighbor's house and cleans up. They kind of take care of him. His two neighbors are named Jad and Maybell. They're kind of parental toward him. Yeah, I got that impression because his parents are not very involved. No, uh, for Shep's backstory, his mother was the mistress of, I think, a senator. Yes. And he is a product of that relationship. And then she ended up marrying the senator and dropped him off with his grandfather and abandoned him to go live her new life. Yep. So, yay. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually surprising to me. At one point, he and Claudia are talking about their past and he mentions, oh yeah, my parents are still alive, but they might as well not be. I don't talk to them. (laughs) There's kind of an interesting take on the whole orphan trope. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And depressing. A bit. Poor buddy. The next morning, he goes down to town and has breakfast at the local diner. He runs into one of the deputies who talks to him and tells him that the attackers had been killing people more than just that night and seemed to have been escalating. So it seems to have been like... Serial killer level? Yeah, like related to a chain of crimes. Mass murder spree or something? And then Shep goes to the hospital to see Claudia. And when he's there, he runs into his ex, Sarah... Sarah is a nurse. He had been in a relationship with Sarah, I think, three years ago. They were at the point where he proposed to her. And then she left him for a guy she met online because she couldn't handle his BDSM proclivities. And it really messed him up. And she ended up telling everyone in town, too. This is why I left him. I think it ruined his reputation for a while. He's the kinky, grumpy man who lives on the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) but she reveals oh yeah i broke up with him and i'm back now and she hugs him and he's just like really off put by the whole thing like oh no i can't handle you (laughs) (laughs) he just is not interested in a romantic relationship with someone who doesn't want to live that lifestyle yeah or at least enact it in the bedroom he gets to visit claudia they talk (laughs) and they do like this little joking around thing where he tells her oh you could laugh like it could be worse and she's like i don't know how it could possibly be worse and he's all well they could have been clowns Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just took a sip of water Mm -hmm. (laughs) freaking clowns i thought it was like really interesting though because the whole conversation they had could have gone poorly if they didn't have this connection that they formed earlier (laughs) already in the story they've trauma bonded yes they've experienced this trauma together he's murdered somebody to protect her she suffered at the hands of the person he murdered and lost her brother and it's just well i guess i don't know did he murder the man killed the man it's only murder if there's no reason to do it right (laughs) that doesn't sound right either (laughs) no it has i think it has to do with intent (laughs) It's only murder if it's not (laughs) self-defense. Of course, it wasn't self-defense. I don't know where I'm going with that. It was self-defense because it was in defense of her and him to a lesser extent. Potentially, I guess. All right. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that (laughs) the whole weird conversation about the clowns, which I thought was funny. I also thought it was interesting that that he was able to talk to her in a way that she could accept. Mm-hmm. At this point in the story, she is closed off from everyone. The only person she's 
receptive to at all is Shep. Yeah. He offers to hold her to comfort her. He's He says something like, oh, it looks like you might like that. I'm willing to do it if you want me to. And she agrees that she does want him to. And so he gets in bed with her and holds her. And she cries on him. And then they both end up falling asleep. So again, it's just terribly evident that they've they formed this trauma bond. Like, boom, like there they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the FBI show up. And they're pissed because he's in the room with Claudia. And so they get him separated from her quickly. They question him again. They seem to want to pin it on him somehow or make him complicit somehow in the attack. They take his truck. They're going to process it for evidence or whatnot. Although when he is getting questioned by one of the FBI agents, he mentions that The reason the FBI is involved is because this attack is connected to a series of murders that's been taking place across the national park system. So again, you get this whole thing like this murder thing is like a thing. Yeah. But it doesn't come to anything in the story. It all gets tied up in act one. Since this is part of a series, I wonder if it factors in with other characters, maybe? I don't know. I thought it was just grumpy mountain men who do BDSM. (laughs) I looked at, is there two other books in the series so far? Yeah, there's two other books. The second book is Claudia's Friend. Yeah, it didn't quite seem like they were tied in, but maybe, maybe? It didn't seem like it. I don't know. I don't think so, because we find out that the other guy that they caught got the death penalty or something. Yeah. Because he confessed and... You know, he already went through the court system or whatever. Just because he got the death penalty doesn't mean he was put to death. Was he also put to death? Because that would be quick. No. Okay. I don't think so. But there is like a resolution there. Well, our friend's a lawyer, so maybe it ties in. I don't know. I may be reaching. I think you're pushing. Yeah. (laughs) You're trying real hard, Em. (laughs) I'll stop trying. Make it make sense. (laughs) Okay, so Shep is kind of pissed because he wants to see Claudia again. He feels like this connection with her, this pull toward her. He wants to protect her. He wants to be with her. He wants to be in her presence. But the FBI keep him away from her. And when they finally release his truck to him, the first place he goes is the hospital and she's already left. So you can tell like they left. (laughs) I think he calls it like the FBI's final fuck you to him or something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Claudia did leave him a thank you note but there was no contact info or anything on the note and so he figures well she's gonna be fine I'm gonna just let this go that's what he tries to do a week has passed and now we're in Claudia's head and she is coping ish (laughs) not really (laughs) I think the author did a good job of showing someone dealing with trauma and grief and survivor's guilt and what do I do now and all these people knew the before me no one knows the after me her best friend Liz has come to check up on her Liz is the awesome yes I love Liz she is the bestest of best friends (laughs) she is that is her title It, it really should be I hope she has a shirt that actually says that. It really should be. She, yeah, no, throughout the book, she, she like mother hens Claudia like crazy (laughs) and Claudia needs it badly. We get a little insight. Claudia has been ignoring everyone and everything. 
She doesn't want to work. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She doesn't want her boyfriend to come over. But she gets a text from her boyfriend and agrees that he can come over. But she's kind of dreading him coming over. Yeah, he's kind of special. He's just emotionally unavailable, I feel. (laughs) That's a nice way to put it. I don't know. That was the impression I got of the boyfriend. He's like, oh, I I was worried about you. I care about you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to handle everything. But he doesn't really seem to care about her needs, like her actual needs. It's like he's decided what her needs are. Yeah. And he cares about those. Yeah. Liz doesn't like him. So all the more reason to like Liz. And then, oh, oh, another thing is that we start to get into how Claudia still feels this connection to Shep. She thinks about her boyfriend, Jason, comforting her. And she's like, this isn't what I want. I want Shep. Shep was actually comforting. (laughs) Jason is just here. Initially, I was thinking, oh, maybe she's being unfair to Jason, but I don't think that's the case. Because after four months pass, Claudia has finally gotten her brother's body back and is able to have a memorial service for him. Uh, She meets Preeti, her brother's girlfriend, who she hadn't known about and has to deal with Preeti's grief in addition to her own. And it's, I think it's awkward for her. Like she doesn't know what to do with it. And the whole time she wants Shep. Liz steps up. She's, again, A plus number one best friend. Yay. Make sure she eats. Make sure she sleeps. Make sure she's okay. (laughs) And then um, Jason shows up the night before the memorial service or something like that. And he tries to initiate sex with Claudia, which was just like really tone deaf. Sometimes, (laughs) you know, all different types of way of healing, but you got to make sure that you know, everyone's receptive. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't push it on her, I guess, but it just, Claudia felt it was tone deaf for sure. Yeah. Well, if he can't see that. Yeah. I don't (sighs) think he was picking up what she was putting down. I don't even know if he looked. (laughs) He's just like, this will work. I have decided. Like, "Mm." Yeah. She just really struggles with the whole boyfriend thing. I kind of feel like her relationship with her boyfriend was kind of crappy before and now it's just... This did not improve things. (laughs) Yeah, the crappiness is now much more visible because she's not able to patch any of it up. She doesn't have the energy to devote to it anymore. Yeah. She's like, I I don't want to do the emotional labor. Yeah, I don't blame her. Nope. Her brother was the third family member that she lost and she has no other kin. Yeah, she's an official orphan now. At least no family that she's close to of any significance. Right. I mean, she's probably related to other people, but you know what I mean? Like no one that she's bonded with. And now six months have passed. Claudia is now in therapy. She broke up with Jason and is thinking of quitting her job. So things have not improved for Claudia. (laughs) She's going through things, but not addressing things. Because that sometimes happens. She's in this place where she does not want to deal with her old life whatsoever. She's breaking most of the ties to her old life. Mm-hmm. No, old boyfriend, you are from before. No, old job, you are from before. No, old therapist, you are from before. Yeah, and I think if Liz had been less proactive, she wouldn't have been friends with Liz anymore either. It's just Liz was like, no, you can't discard me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. I feel like that would be you and I at this point. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I really related to the female friendship because it is. It's 
It's one of those like, no, our friendship is permanent. Sorry, <laughs> you're stuck with me. You do not get to consent to this anymore. <laughs> you have already consented because of all these other years. So it's just going to keep rolling over. <laughs> I've invested too much time into this to let it go now. <laughs> Velcro, dude, you're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> lucky you. I am lucky. Okay, so now we're six months after the incident, and we're back in Shep's head, and he is at home. He gets a call from Connie, who works at the diner. And Connie says, oh, Claudia is in town and was asking about you. She's looking for you. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, huh. So he drives down the mountain and finds out what hotel she's staying at and meets up with her. She gives him flowers and says she wanted to say thank you. And then they go to the diner and talk. It's weird to them that they're so close. They feel like this intense connection to each other, but they don't know very much about each other at all. They talk about um, how they're dealing with the incident. Like, oh, do you have nightmares? Me too. (laughs) Claudia feels, I think, a little insecure. Like maybe she was a bit boundary stompy to come back and like look for him. And is this okay that I'm here? that sort of conversation at this point you can tell there's some sexual tension there they're mutually attracted to each other he says something about how she's sexy and she's all oh well we can't have sex because that's just something we can't do (laughs) (laughs) little do you know claudia Hmm. (laughs) oh she asks him if he looked for her and when he says no because remember he took her note where she didn't leave any contact information as a as a sign of, okay, I'm done with you. Bye. Thanks for the help. Yeah. Have a good life. Yeah. And so he didn't look for her. He respected what he derived from the note. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she like tried to find him online and stuff like that, but he just doesn't really have an online presence much. And so <laughs> when he says no, he wasn't, he didn't look for her. She's like, oh. And, like, the whole tone of the conversation changes. She's all, okay, well, can you drive me back to where I was staying? Like, bye. I made a mistake. <laughs> I did not this read the room. This is awkward. <laughs> he takes her back to the hotel, and he gives her his phone number, and then he leaves. And as he's driving back to his place, she calls him, and she's crying. And she's like, why didn't you look for me? And he's all, um, because your note made it sound like you didn't want me to. <laughs> and then she says well can you come back to the hotel and he says well no i can but i can't really stay that long because of my dog and she's like oh well can i go home with you then well and he's like okay fine (laughs) so he picks her up and he drives her back to his house and he's he's really concerned about how it's going to affect her because this is where he killed a guy you know (laughs) this is where she ended up after that horrific night. Yeah. <laughs> she seems to think it's fine, although she is a little weirded out. She's like, oh, I don't remember this. Or, oh, I remember this. At the time when she was last there, she was just so traumatized and in her own head and emotions and probably just over... God, I can't think. She had a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's kind of surprised that she doesn't remember. Like, the place as clearly is she thought she would or something yeah it makes sense to me that she wouldn't she's traumatized i mean they make a promise to each other that they're going to be as honest with each other as possible and then they start talking about coping mechanisms and what she wants is 
to be held specifically by him. That's how she wants to cope. (laughs) That's one way. (laughs) But she is concerned about being dependent on him for coping, which I get. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is interesting, though, like she's very, like very much uh, this specific person will do none other, just this one. It makes sense, too. I mean, he's the one who saved her. So it does. He's, quote, safe. She asks him how he copes. And he is like, okay, well, this is probably going to cut our night short, but I did agree to be honest. And so he tells her that he was thinking that he needs to go back to the bondage club that he belongs to to help him expend his energy. (laughs) Yes, he's very honest with his coping. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, you're into bondage? Oh, tell me more about this. And, And he does, you know, again, he's very honest about it. She says something like, okay, so I want to be held by you and you want to go dominate your submissive. And he's a little, he gets into the semantics of whether it's his submissive or just a woman he dominates. And he's like, yeah, she's not my submissive. That's an important distinction. And then she asks him if he has anger management issues. And he says, (laughs) I spend most of my time with a dog. And before that, I spent more than 20 years with an old man who averaged about four sentences a week that weren't related to wilderness survival tactics. I'm not great at talking to new people. (laughs) And then she says, so you're just a quiet, cranky, brooding mountain man. And he says something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that's basically what he is. That sums him up. (laughs) Oh, and he's bearded. Yes, that's important. You can't be a mountain man without a beard. I felt like it was just a given. You know, he's a mountain man. He has a beard, obviously. (laughs) It's like your mountain man starter kit. Yeah, mountain man starter kit. You got a beard. (laughs) You're like over 6'3". He's Uh 6'5". You're grumpy. You wear flannel. (laughs) You have a dog. (laughs) Honestly, I never thought about it before, but okay. I don't know. I, I kind of have a thing for it, I guess. Like, it, it's, it's related to lumber sexual. All right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but close. Oh, oh, oh. And then, in the spirit of honesty and full disclosure, he does confess that he's thought about dominating her. And I'm just like, dude, really? You're just going just let it all out there, man. Just go ahead. Well, <laughs> this woman, <laughs> I guess, I guess he was reading the room and she seemed receptive to it or something, maybe because she was really open about asking him more information about his lifestyle and whatnot. But it did seem a little interesting that he would just bring that up. Just like, oh, yeah. So, by the way, I fantasized about you. No time like the present? (laughs) You don't know if you don't ask? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I I think maybe saying something like, would you be interested in something like that? Would be a different way to basically say the same thing. True. (laughs) A little less presumptuous. I don't know. It kind of made me feel like, um, like if a guy like confesses to you, oh yeah, I jerk off to your picture. Mm. You know, I got that kind of feeling from it i guess (laughs) i don't need to know that i don't want to know that and i'm really unhappy that i know that (laughs) thanks for sharing (laughs) stop (laughs) please stop i mean it's bad enough that you do it but you don't have to tell me 
<laughs> but if the right man said it, it would be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe that's just the situation that we're in. He's the right man. <laughs> exactly. Because if he wasn't, then this would be a different kind of romance. He would be, <laughs> he would not be the hero. <laughs> no. <laughs> so she offers him a deal. She's like, okay, well, how about you hold me tonight and then tomorrow you can dominate me. That way we both get our coping mechanism. And he's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> They're in, they enter into <laughs> negotiations. They're establishing like, boundaries. No, yeah, no deal. <laughs> he's like, I'm willing to hold you, but dude, no. <laughs> And he does. He holds her all night. She like basically wants to climb inside his skin. They are close upon close. <laughs> yeah, she's very into it. And he is very like extremely turned on by the whole closeness factor, but does not act on it whatsoever, but is kind of like in that whole, you know, kill me now, God. <laughs> what did I agree to? I'm at a level of uncomfortable that I did not expect. How did I get here? <laughs> and then the next morning, Claudia starts telling him about how, oh, she likes rough sex. That was part of the reason why she broke up with her boyfriend, because initially they had rough sex. And then after the incident, it was just too gentle and she didn't like it. Instead of the deal, she suggests that they spend a week together and he can dominate her. He considers this... And he's like, well, how about I take you back to your hotel and I fuck your brains out. And then if you still want to do the BDSM thing, we can do it. And she agrees to that. And then that's what happens. They have the sex. It's amazing. And she agrees. Okay, yeah, I want a week of this. Thank you. <laughs> so she packs up all her shit from the hotel and they drive back to his place. She does like a safety check-in with Liz where Liz wants like a photo of him with her <laughs> and a photo of his driver's license and wants to speak to him and hello i am the person who will track you down and kill you if you hurt my friend she's a good friend <laughs> she really is <laughs> i liked that this was part of the story though i really really liked that claudia had someone who was looking out for her and that shep was totally fine with it yes like, it did not bother him whatsoever. In fact, it was almost like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that can be telling. Yeah, I really appreciated that part of the story. I think especially because of some of the themes, like with her healing from all the trauma, she's in a very vulnerable state. Yeah. And then you put in the BDSM themes. And I don't know, authors do this all the time where they put in BDSM helps you heal from trauma or something like that, which I don't know, maybe. But it's it's a trope. I don't know. It made it seem less like he was taking advantage of her because she had a safety net. Yeah. And because he was totally cool with her having a safety net. And especially since throughout the story, she kept going, no, no, I'm fine. When you really got the impression that she wasn't. Yeah. She she kind of even confesses this to Shep in a way. She says something after they begin the whole BDSM thing where she's like, I want someone to break me down and then build me back up. And I can't get to the point where I shatter by myself and that kind of thing. And I think she's waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when she's going, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's like she's just holding that other shoe, like waiting for it. To... Yeah. And, and she's hoping like this will help her. It'll enable her to be vulnerable when she hasn't been allowing herself to be vulnerable. 
I don't know. What what is your impression or what are your feelings on the trope of BDSM helps one deal with trauma? Because I'm not saying it can't, but it is a trope and I don't know that I particularly care for it. Right now I'm trying to think if I've read any other books where that's a thing. We read Tears of Tess. Oh, that's true. Where it kind of is a thing. And then I don't know if you read it, but Fifty Shades of Grey, it's a thing for him. Oh, no, I didn't. I've read lots of books where it's a thing. I guess in the the two books that I have as a reference, that would be this one and Tears of Tess. I don't know if it paired well with the romance necessarily, because I don't necessarily think those are the same. Well, especially in this story, because he has such a almost contractual BDSM relationship with uh, the person at the club. They're friends, but, you know. See, that to me almost makes more sense if you're working through trauma than trying to add another layer. Yeah. So I I would say with my very limited exposure to that in stories, I'd say not very effective so far. Not that it can't be. I found myself constantly wanting to feel more like that she was actually working through the trauma and I'm not really sure I felt like that was happening. Yeah, I don't know that I felt that either. You know, she was feeling better. She was being satisfied and and all of that. And that's great. But I'm not sure, given the limited information that we have about her trauma, how that was supposed to be helpful. Or maybe I'm just missing things. The only thing I could really think of for Claudia is that she's struggling to be vulnerable. And submission can be vulnerable. And she's also struggling to feel powerful and submission can be powerful too because you are consenting to submit. Whereas she didn't consent to submit to the violent acts that occurred earlier. Which I understand, but in that case, then I need more information about what happened to her and get a sense of what her life was before the trauma. That that kind of makes sense. And for Shep, I kind of struggled more to find how it helped him cope aside from wanting that control. Yeah, and I guess not feeling like he had to hide or be ashamed of what he wanted. Yeah, but as far as it helping him work through the trauma of killing that guy, yeah, I really struggled to see a connection there. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever found one. It almost sounded like he had a violent impulse because he says that he punched a tree which ow. and it didn't help yeah it looked ow <laughs> but he doesn't seem to be a violent dominant no he is more about being in control <laughs> that's that's the important part of bdsm for him is the domination part no i struggled with that too so i i don't know it's i think it's kind of important to talk about because there is a ton of sex in this book yeah a ton like now that they've agreed and they're gonna have a week it's just like yeah they have a week and <laughs> boy do they yes there's a few things i want to pick out there's a point where they discuss his ex this is early on in the week she's kind of like joking around with him because he says oh he wants her to call him sir she kind of teases him about it and he gets a little butthurt about it because it reminded him of his ex and so they talk about it and he makes it clear to her that he wants the person who submits to him to take it as seriously as he takes it. He doesn't want to be with someone who isn't all in on it. 
Which makes sense. Especially after his relationship with Sarah. Yeah. Who pretended she was fine with it and then ended up outing him to the whole community. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's also a part where Shep gets a little, I think, apprehensive because he's more used to dealing with experienced submissives and he's not used to being with a beginner. And the one time he tried it with his ex, it went poorly. Oops. <laughs> There's a point where after, I think after their first scene, Claudia says that she can now see the difference between saying you want to submit and then actually submitting, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. But a, a, a good and valid point. You know, you can say you want to, but you don't know what it feels like unless you're actually submitting, I guess. I guess that goes for anything, really, right? You yeah. can say you want to do something, but you don't know what it's like till you do it. She's worried about using him as a coping mechanism. The more that she learns about Shep, the better he looks to her. He just seems like the perfect guy. Like there's nothing wrong with him whatsoever. <laughs> that makes her feel very worried because she's feeling more and more dependent on him. He makes her feel good. She thinks she's catching feelings. She's worried it's dependency. Like, what is this? Can I stop it if I want to? <laughs> and he's also developing feelings for her. He's been all in for dude since he killed a guy for her <laughs> you know he's been all in since he saw her basically <laughs> oh and then there was a part where they where Shep says he wants to do like getting to know you stuff too he thinks it's important to balance out all the sex with actual relationship building and <laughs> mm -hmm. knowing each other which was good <laughs> But again, it just goes to show, yeah, he's basically the perfect guy. Yeah. He cares about her emotional needs in addition to her physical ones. And then Jad comes by, the neighbor, <laughs> and interrupts them. And he says he wants to borrow a chainsaw. But I think really he just wanted to be nosy. <laughs> yeah. He invites Shep and Claudia over for dinner. And when they go to dinner, it goes badly. Jad is really antagonistic at this dinner. He says it's because he's worried about Shep because of the way his mom just kind of dropped him off and then he lived with his grandfather and he's worried that this treatment made Shep the closed off person that he is and he doesn't think that this relationship is good for him because remember the last time you had a relationship and the woman left you, how bad that went. And then you know this woman's going to leave you because you made a plan that she's only here for a week. That's going to go bad. <laughs> Let me rain on your happy sex parade, kids. <laughs> you must think about real world problems. And Shep, what about your feelings and emotional needs? But he doesn't say it that way. He says it like a total jerk. He's so rude about it and... It's really none of his business either. And I think that's kind of the issue with the whole thing is that Jad and Maybell have like this pseudo parental role in Shep's life. But Shep hasn't necessarily, I don't think he views them that way. No, I think they took it upon themselves. Yeah, I think they view Shep that way, but he doesn't, it's not reciprocal. And even if they were, he is how old? And he's like in his 30s, I think. Exactly. Even if he were their kid in some capacity other than in their own heads, <laughs> he is a fully fledged adult at that point. Yeah, there's really no reason for Jad to be 
And if if his level of concern is that high, if John's level of concern is that high, he could simply pull him aside and address some of these things. Yeah, he could say, like, I'm worried about you. Are you sure everything's okay? You know, you can come to me if you need to. <laughs> There's different ways to approach this. Instead of, hey, let me invite the woman you're fucking over <laughs> and tell her that she's bad for you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone's face. I mean, it is nice and honest, but yeah, there's obviously problems with that. It's bizarre. They end up leaving dinner early because Shep's like, yeah, no, this is bullshit. Bye. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he and Claudia have a conversation about it a bit. He says, yeah, people think I'm like this because of the way my mom and grandfather were, but I'm just introverted. I just like to be by myself. <laughs> and then she asked, well, where did the kinky stuff come from? And he's like, I just kind of figured it out, you know, like in college or whatever, like normal people do. <laughs> like everyone does. <laughs> Okay, that's something I really appreciated about Shep's backstory, because that's another thing that happens in romance books with BDSM themes is that there's some dark reason that they're into it. And I really liked that Shep's like, yeah, no, I just like it. What I'm into. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a point where he tells her about his job that he does uh, nature photography for the National Park Service or something like that. It's like a 20 year project or something. So... That sounds really sweet. Isn't that a sweet gig? Yeah, really. <laughs> I can live in the middle of nowhere and just take pictures every day. For 20 years. For 20 years. And get paid enough to survive, evidently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good for him. He must be really good. Is this a study on climate change? <laughs> yeah. You may have to take that out. <laughs> no, that's what he, he is, though. Oh. I, <laughs> that's in the book. I must have. Oh. I thought I was being snarky. No. <laughs> I'm just being forgetful. Okay. And while they're out, he asks if he can take photos of her and she agrees. And then she takes photos of him with her phone. And then they get a little frisky. Start doing sexy times up against the tree. But then she freaks out. It's like, no, no, stop. And then run away. And she runs home or back to his house. Part of the reason she started getting panicky had to do with him putting his gun down because he takes his gun with him when he goes out to shoot photos because bears yep i think she views the gun as oh good he'll shoot anyone who attacks me <laughs> yeah it's a safety thing and so when he puts it down on the ground she's like no <laughs> you must hold the gun at all times she she mirrors her actions on the night of the incident basically she just hauls ass down to his house and runs inside and he follows her and she's like, yeah, I think that was a panic attack. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. They decide they're going to go to the diner to get some food, but they run into Sarah. That's just kind of really awkward. Shep doesn't really want to talk to Sarah. I think he feels like she's judgy with him. The whole attitude that Sarah seems to have toward BDSM is odd. She's like, yeah, okay, so I'm with you and this is how you like to do stuff. And oh, I'm cool with it, but not really. Can you change for me? And when he's like, no, I can't change for you. I told you that before. She is like, oh, well, then there must be something wrong with you and I'm going to tell everyone. 
Yeah, it's peculiar behavior. It really seems odd to me. It's like they're just not sexually compatible. Yeah. But she got butthurt about it or something. I kind of don't get her. I don't either. I feel like I'm missing something. But I do like how Claudia talks to her. Because <laughs> <laughs> they run into her as they head into the diner and Claudia's like, oh yeah, no, everything's perfect with him. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. So there's been tons of kinky sex. Literally tons of kinky sex. That's most of act two in this book. Yes. Yes, it is. Then Liz calls and says that, oh, I ran into the owner of Mode, which is a fashion label, I guess, and or a store or I don't know, a company, a fashion company. I don't know. <laughs> Liz calls Claudia and says, oh, I ran into the owner of Mode. And told her that you quit your previous job and she's very interested in talking to you and offering you a position at her company. Claudia's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. She talks to her prospective new employer who's like, yeah, I can buy you tickets on the red eye right now and see you tomorrow. And I'm going to give you this amazing salary and wonderful benefits and all the things you want just to have you work for me. And it's really one of those things that Claudia can't turn down. Yeah. She's feeling weird about the whole thing with Shep. But she's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And then she tells him, yeah, so our week's over early. I have to go (laughs) for a job interview. She does this other thing. Like, throughout the story, she seems so worried about being dependent. But it really seems like she is because she says something like, you must think I'm a huge jerk because I keep leaving on you. Then I barge into your life and then I leave on you again and have a meltdown on you but I want you to ask me to stay and then Shep is like why would I do that and she's like what and he said why would I do that why would I ask you to stay and she's like no you're right that was shitty of me to ask you and he's all it wouldn't matter like it wouldn't make a difference if I asked you or not yeah this is where we get closure about the the murderers because he says the bastard who tried to kill you he's dead Claudia He's not lurking anywhere in these woods. He's dead. I killed him. And the man who hurt Miles, that's her brother, is about to get the injection. They can't hurt you. And she says, I know. And he says, no, you don't. I didn't realize that now, but I should have. Because he's talking about the panic attack that she had. She's not dealing with it. No. Whatever she thinks she's doing is clearly not addressing the issues that we're not entirely sure what they are because... We don't know what happened. Shep thinks that she doesn't feel safe with him. And she says, no, none of it is on you. It's on those two pieces of shit. And every once in a while, I like to blame Miles for his horrible choice in vacation destinations. (laughs) But none of this is your responsibility. You saved my life. You're off the hook. And then Shep responds with, I love you. Because, of course, you know, when you're arguing, that's the best time to say it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it works for some. And she doesn't say I love you back. She does love him back, but she can't tell him that because for her, how how can they have a relationship? It's not like... I mean, especially she's leaving. Yeah, she's leaving. The way they met is just weird. She's too traumatized for him. She can't give him what he needs. You know, she's angsty. Yes. And then she leaves. Shep spends three days drinking, I think. <laughs> And then he gets an apology from Maybelle and Jad about the whole dinner incident. And they even want, like, they want to invite them over again so they can apologize to Claudia. And he's like, well, Claudia's gone. 
And they're like, oh, did we do that? <laughs> you mean your pep talk? Yeah. And so I was like, no. <laughs> and 45 days have passed since she left. Claudia has hit the ground running at this new job. She's kicking ass and taking names. But she's also still avoiding like everyone in her life. Even Liz, who has to track her down, is like, so, I thought we were friends, by the way. <laughs> Remember? Call me Velcro. Again, best friend ever. <laughs> Claudia tells Liz everything that happened with Shep, and then she gives her advice, which I really like. Um, she says, first of all, don't ever avoid me again. <laughs> I will show up at your job. You don't want that. I have zero shame, <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> Second of all... Find a new therapist. <laughs> Agreed. And then Claudia's like, and third? And she says, oh, no, I can't help you with the third one. <laughs> you think I'm going to tell you to run after him? Nah, we're not that drunk yet. <laughs> so more time passes. It's now the third Saturday in December, which is just oddly specific. <laughs> Shep gets a phone call from Connie at the diner saying, hey, Claudia's here. She's looking for you again. <laughs> I feel like we just did this, but we didn't. Chef says, I'll be right down. So he drives down the mountain. He's worried, like, why the hell would she even come back after the way we left? Is she pregnant? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I hope that's not it. But what if it is? So he's like freaking out. When he comes in to see her, he says, what are you doing here? And she's all, I love you. And I'm hoping you still love me, too. <laughs> and he thinks to himself <laughs> unless she wants to marry me right now i don't have time to hop back on this carousel of i'm not quite sure with her <laughs> and then he says why <laughs> and then she says why do i hope you still love me from time to time it can be beneficial for both parties when feelings are reciprocated <laughs> so it means it's his turn to walk away <laughs> <laughs> and they argue and stuff <laughs> and he's like what changed and she's like i want you and he's all but <laughs> and you didn't before and she's all there is no but i want to be with you and he says here because this is where i live this is my home and i'm not sure it's the best place for you <laughs> and she says <laughs> And two months ago, I would have agreed with you, but that was before my friend cornered me and made me go back to seeing a therapist. <laughs> and he says, and they told you to move out here with me? And she replies, God, you are still cranky as fuck. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then she starts talking about before Claudia and after Claudia and how now she's going to be after Claudia forever. There's no going back to before Claudia. And after Claudia loves him. You ready to commit to that now? <laughs> and then he's still, he's looking, he's looking for reasons for her to leave again. He's like, but what about your job? You've been to the boot store. <laughs> There's nothing in fashion here. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, I lied to my boss and said we're getting married and I'm going to basically live here part time. I'm going to telework for two weeks and then go there for two weeks, which she figures he'll like because he's crotchety and likes to be by himself. He's kind of, I don't know, like, I got the feeling like he's a little peeved that she's just kind of figured out, like, the rest of his life for him without asking or anything. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be with her and he likes what she's saying, but he's also like, um, but 
I need to decide this, not you. She says, I'm not going to tell you I regret coming here because I don't. I don't think I made a mistake trying to see you. I do love you and I don't want you to tell me to go. So I'm just going to sit here. Maybe we can have breakfast together and talk about the future. I'm just never going to leave. So suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) He does ask if she's pregnant and she's like, no, definitely not. (laughs) But you'd make an awesome stay at home dad in five to six years if you want to be. (laughs) He turns to leave and then he says, hey, are you coming? And she's like, yeah, obviously. And he takes her home. Yay. He says it was the stay-at-home dad thing that really sold it. Well. (laughs) And she says, oh, I should have led with that. (laughs) Maybe. The end. So, Em, are you happy for their happy? Uh... (laughs) That's not very convincing sounding, is it? That's not promising start, is it? Are you conflicted for their happy? I felt there were frequent times where they had really good chemistry. And I guess they felt the happy. I didn't necessarily feel the happy. How come? It kind of felt like they were like a happy for now. Okay. Because it felt like we kind of caught them like at some stage in their journey together. But it didn't really feel like a satisfying together conclusion for me. Do you think if there had been an epilogue, it would have helped? Or do you think it would have mattered? It had to be a real long epilogue. (laughs) I'm going to take that as a no. (laughs) They had super good chemistry. I'm like, yeah, okay, wonderful. Yay, good. And then when they didn't, and they didn't seem like they were on the same page, and it was frustrating because I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't feel like you're really... addressing issues or if you are i'm i don't understand so it was a little difficult to feel happy it felt unconcluded what about you so i do agree with what you were saying because i think that whole section where she goes back to new york after she has that talk with liz and everything i kind of feel like we needed something else there to show that she actually did that stuff like she did the work yeah it just it didn't feel like the work was done and that that might be why but that said i am happy for their happy yay <laughs> because they seem well suited um i think they probably would have been well suited even if they hadn't met the way they did which just leaves me wondering like why why was that part of the story cuz she had to have trauma but there was no more well we we talked about it earlier but the whole thing with the murderers and everything is like, okay, well, that was all done and, and sewed up and tied with a bow. and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, it didn't have to be about the murderers. You know, I mean, it clearly wasn't. Why did she have to have trauma? To make the beginning really exciting. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that has really nothing to do with their happy for me. It's more like, okay, well... Yeah, she still needs to do some work, but I think she's going to get there and he's a good guy and I think he's good for her and yay. If I felt like she worked through the trauma, then the trauma would make sense to be there. Yeah, and the story really seems to be about that, like about her healing from trauma. That's what I thought it was supposed to be. I guess we can rate them. Um, Okay. (laughs) How do you rate Claudia? Awkward. Yeah. I enjoyed her character and personality. I just felt like she really needed help. I don't feel like she got it. 
I mean, I know she was supposed to have gone off and worked on things and okay. <laughs> we didn't see it. Yeah. You know, we got to be traumatized by the beginning, but we didn't get to work through it with her. So I guess that's why I can't partake in the happy and partake in the yay her quite so much. I agree with you. I also rate Claudia as awkward for basically the same reason, because she's really cool. She is. I really enjoyed her sense of humor and her snarkiness, and she's incredibly strong. She is. She's resilient. She lived through a lot, (laughs) came out the other side fighting. I'm happy for her, and I think she's a great character for that, but I don't think we got enough about her journey. There needed to be more about that. For it to feel real and more impactful. I agree. How do you rate Shep? Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's awkward. Well, they're a pair then. (laughs) Yes. I did like that he was emotionally available. I think sometimes he did feel a little bit too perfect or something. I think the thing with his anger, you know, it's fine if he has anger issues. It's fine. But he also didn't really work on them. It didn't really feel like they were there. I didn't see enough of uh, enough examples of that. Maybe his interaction with creepy dipstick in the first chapter, if that interaction would have been like some internal struggle for him or something, but he's like, no, no, asshole, boom. I was like, okay. He didn't have to deal with any consequences of that. Okay. Where's the anger? What's he so angry about? His parents? Sarah was... Not great, but nobody seems to be giving him shit. It's not like he walks through the town and people whisper about his lifestyle or interests or whatever. Okay, so there was that one scene, and I should have mentioned that when we were talking about the summary, when he first goes to the hospital, he wants to go check on Claudia and he asks one of the people working there about it. And the guy asks him, oh, were you the one who stabbed her? And I felt like that was a poke at the BDSM thing. Oh, I didn't even catch that. I was just like, okay, that guy's stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he is stupid. But yeah, I think that's what it was. But that that's the thing is it was... That is all? <laughs> well, that's what we saw. Yeah. I think that's all we saw on the page. Again, is it a BDSM reference? Or is it a reference to something else that he has legitimate anger issues about? I think it's a BDSM reference, but that's me. It's not so much that I'm disagreeing. It's more, I need more. No, it's open to interpretation. Yeah, it it (laughs) just feels insufficient. I rate Shep awkward also. I didn't focus so hard on the anger issues because I kind of felt like she was just teasing him about being grumpy. What issues did he have? I don't know. He had no issues until Sarah broke up with him. Oh. I guess aside from abandonment a little bit. You know, although he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of that, but he was abandoned by his mother and then he lost his grandfather, who he really cared about. But he's a natural introvert, likes to be by himself, is kind of just alone. And and then he had that relationship with Sarah and Sarah outed him to the whole town, which just made him seem like it colored his reputation in town, I think. And he even mentioned something about like, it takes me killing a murderer to have people look at me like I'm okay again. Him helping Claudia or him rescuing Claudia helped his reputation in town. But I think a lot of that is just internalized shame because he felt abandoned by Sarah 
And then, yeah, probably some of the people in town were like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, it makes way more sense that it's internalized shame. Yeah, and then he even addresses that with Jad. And Jad's like, no, I don't care about that. I care about you being okay. I think there were a lot of really good pieces to his character that could have been expanded on more, but it really wasn't his story. It was more Claudia's story. And he was just there providing the good sex and being hot. Yes, he provided the beard. <laughs> yeah, he brought the beard. The beard and the rope. That's all we need, right? <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I thought he was great, but... Yeah, he seemed, and Claudia even comments on it, he seems like too good to be real, too good to be true. And I guess the only quote bad thing about him is the whole BDSM thing, but it's not bad. It's just, that's what he likes and she's compatible with that. So it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. How do you rate the antagonist in the story, Em? Okay, so I have two antagonists. Obviously the creepy dipstick in chapter one. Yeah, murderer. Yep. And I guess also his cohort. He's sort of floating around. We never really have an interaction with him. I guess the FBI a little bit, but I don't know how much of antagonists they really are. And then basically Claudia, she's her own worst enemy. Yeah, she is. I think so. There were some times it was really good. I think it was effective. Most of the time it sort of felt a bit awkward for me. What about you? So I also listed the murderers and the FBI agents. I also put Sarah, the ex-girlfriend. Oh, right. I put Jad. Yeah. I put random judgy people. <laughs> you know, the people who judge him or whatnot. Society. <laughs> um, all those people, it's just kind of awkward because it doesn't really go anywhere. I think Sarah and Jad are the ones closest to Shep's story, but I feel like there could have been more. I feel like... Shep's whole story could have been rounded out more and expanded a bit more. More from those characters could have helped with that, possibly. And then I didn't put Claudia, but I definitely agree with you. I think she was pretty effective as an antagonist mm -hmm. because she just constantly getting in her own way, overthinking things, being self-deprecating. I mean, ultimately, she has to triumph over that you know, to move on from her trauma. And I'm not sure that that, that happened, <laughs> you know? No, I agree with you. <laughs> I totally agree with you. So I'm not sure how that impacts the effectiveness of the antagonist. I feel like the antagonist has to lose, you know, that part of herself has to lose or be defeated or triumphed over or, or accepted. Yeah, there has to be resolution. Yeah, it has to be dealt with in some way for her to move on and be happy and... I would have liked to see more of that. How do you rate the book? I gave the book a two. That's probably because that's where my enjoyment level was. I, I don't know. There were parts that were really good, like little isolated parts that I was really into the story of. And I don't know. It was just really easy for me to fall out of, out of the story. So you didn't feel invested? No. What about you? What did you rate the story? I rated it a three. Yay! I enjoyed reading it. I thought it was funny at times. I thought it was interesting. The sex was good. It was engaging. I just didn't think it was great, you know? Yeah. And I think that there could have been a lot more that would have helped it, like more about Shep's issues, more about resolving Claudia's trauma, 
And I mean, honestly, Shep resolving his trauma too, because he does have trauma from killing a dude. Yeah, he should. He's a sociopath. More about the murder thing. I wanted more about that. <laughs> yeah. I was so disappointed we got to the end of the book and there was nothing else about the murder thing. And I was like, what? Why? <laughs> There's rampaging killers <laughs> in chapter one. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> I know. So, Erica, did you feel romanced? Not really. Aww. The couple chemistry was good. Like I said, the sex scenes were good. And I feel like they were suited. Mm-hmm. But... This was more of a Claudia healing from her trauma story than a Claudia and Shep fall in love story. Yeah. And so it just wasn't really there for me. What about you? No, I was not invested pretty early on. I felt very much an outsider just sort of floating around the story going, okay, it's very out of body. Claudia calls them army buddies. Like that's what she feels like she and Shep are. They went through, which they did. Yeah. But it was just sort of like, okay, I'm just kind of floating above the foxhole. I don't feel any of this. <laughs> but then I so often don't. So that's kind of par for the course. <laughs> Do you think reading the book versus listening had an impact on your enjoyment whatsoever? Possibly. I mean, I'd have to listen to the audio, but to know if I would have been more engaged with the story and feel more invested. I was just kind of curious because, I mean, your normal mode of, of reading is audiobooks it is i mean i i certainly can can read fiction and get invested in it so i just wondered if it was different i don't know if it would have changed that much i get the yeah. sense it would have been more of a lateral move because i know there was a book oh, was it the kiss quotient i think mm. where you you felt like the audio narration impacted your investment poorly yeah or negatively impacted your investment level. And you said at the time that you thought, well, maybe if I had read it, yeah, it would have been different. And so I was just kind of wondering if, if you thought maybe the reverse was true in this case or not, depending, like if it had good, impactful narration, you know? I'm, I'm sure it would have. You know, the, the characters would have possibly been given more dimension than they were for on the page for me, possibly. It could have helped. That whole thing um, with the audiobook just kind of interests me because I think the reason I tend to prefer reading is I like my interpretation. And then um, if I listen to the audiobook, I don't necessarily agree with their interpretation. Yeah, I definitely have experienced that. I think where the way the narrator said the dialogue, I was like, you know, I think it would be better if it was read this way. Or not better, but just would appeal to me more. And and it just goes to show how much impact the way something is read has. Oh, yeah. Oh, like that exercise you can do where you say no in different ways. Like say it playfully, say it angrily, <laughs> say it questioningly. It's like that, really. So if you listen to the audiobook, the narrator has a pretty big impact, I think, on the story. Like how it's interpreted. It's tricky because with this story, I think there are certain portions where it's like, oh, yes, I would have preferred to have that narrated. And there were other portions where I was like, no, no, how I'm hearing it in my head is great. <laughs> so I, I don't need their audio. So um, what else have you been reading? So I've been reading, not exactly recently, but finished uh, by Penny Reed, Ninja at First Sight, and Happily Ever Ninja. And so it's the next installment in that 
the knitting in the city. I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Just FYI for anyone who is thinking about reading it. You really want to read those two together. Think of them as one story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really did enjoy Ninja at First Sight, but it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. So if you don't have the next one kind of queued up, depending on your feelings about cliffhangers, that could impact that. Just throwing it out there. So anyway, those stories, or the story, is about Fiona and Greg. They meet in Ninja at First Sight, and spoiler alert, they're the same couple in Happily Ever Ninja, years in the future, and it's sort of a trying to rekindle the romance kind of thing, and there's ass kicking, which is also fun. Gotta love the ass kicking. Sometimes Greg is very funny. Sometimes I don't get his humor at all. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the point. Or maybe I'm a dullard. I don't know. <laughs> I love that series. Yeah, it's great. I, <laughs> I'm i enjoying each book in the series. I know there's... I skipped one of them because it spins off another series. And so I was like, okay, well, I will group that with those ones and I'll come back to that. <laughs> so I skipped one. But I'm going back to it yeah, that's fair. at some point. <laughs> I'm plugging along. Anyway, what about you and your reading? I'm almost finished reading Catalyst by Anna Carvin. This is the second in the Hidden Planet series. I recommended the first one in an earlier episode. And this story basically picks up where that one left off. It's a sci-fi romance. Humans have been stranded on this remote planet with probably no hope of ever going back home. And there's this ancient demon-esque dude that wakes up from a 300 year sleep i believe i think even i would be rested after that (laughs) (laughs) he's essentially like an energy vampire the books they don't call it that but the humans and some other beings also give off this energy glow that's called they call it ver okay and that's what these types of beings need to survive like that's what they eat or whatever yeah when they consume one's ver the person becomes tired and languid and cold and could potentially die if too much is consumed okay he wakes up and he's hungry because he hasn't had any for 300 years And he finds these humans that are from book one that are now on this planet. And he's like, all right, well, they're all glowing with ver. Let me pick out the best one. And he snatches that one and takes her away. Ah. Yeah, it is an ah. (laughs) (laughs) So the book kind of covers them getting to know each other and their relationship. But it also covers like him figuring out what the fuck did I just miss these 300 years that I was asleep and what do I need to fix? Because when he fell asleep, they were in the middle of a war and now he has to deal with potential fallout from that war as these ancient creatures are regrouping and now have better technology and whatnot. Sorry, I had only snarky things to say, so I... I don't know if I'm (laughs) selling it well. You really have to read book one. No, you are. I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> I'm in the mood to snark, so I'm I'm trying to be good. Please snark. I want to hear the snark. <laughs> I enjoy the snark. I know. It's just not always appropriate. I can't tell when it's appropriate, so sometimes I just would rather not, since I can't tell. I want it. <laughs> You're denying me. You're cruel. I am. I think I've said that I'm mean. 
I'm really living up to my reputation of cruelty. <laughs> I want to whine about it, but I know I need to just move on. <laughs> you can whine. Uh, okay, that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or come find us on Twitter at RomanceMeCast. Speaking of Twitter, if you romance by Claudia and Shep's story, let us know what you think. And of course, (laughs) join us next time when we discuss Dragonbound by Thea Harrison. Bye! You did it on the first try, even when I sabotaged it. Good job. I know. I was like, <laughs> Suddenly I'll just start laughing and no one will know why. It's fine. Hi. <laughs> I can just be the crazy person who laughs. It's good for me. There we go. <laughs>